Good morning. As you all find your seats, I'll go ahead and get started with this morning's uh, announcements. So first off, just want to welcome everybody here. Uh, as always, we're excited that you're here, whether you're visiting with us or uh, with us online or here in person. Uh, no matter what, we're just excited that you're here. And so thank you for choosing to spend your morning with us. Um, I want to uh, welcome uh, Owen and Lauren Mitchell came and spent the weekend with us. So we had our marriage seminar that we've been talking up for a little while yesterday. And oh, it was awesome. It was super special. Uh, just getting to see some of the different conversations that took place. And it, it was truly special. And so we want to thank them uh, for coming. If you haven't gotten the chance to meet them yet, I really encourage you to make your way over at some point and talk with them. Uh, they're wonderful, wonderful people. And Owen is actually going to be leading our communion meditation this morning. And so we're excited for that. Uh, I want to encourage everybody directly following services, services today. We're going to have a luncheon uh, celebrating everything that's been going on. And so we're having a luncheon directly after service. Stick around. That's for everybody, not just those that went to the seminar, but all people are invited to come to that. So we'll head over to the Family Life Center. I think we're having some Cane's chicken, and it'll be a good time. So we hope that you'll stick around for that. Um, Speaking of the service, we're having a baby blessing just a little bit later on during the service, and so Eric will come up, and uh, we're going to make that happen. Uh, that'll be a really special time. Uh, so baby blessing later, and then because of our luncheon, we're not having any kind of evening services uh, tonight, so no evening services other than our youth group will meet up. Uh, we're going to meet up here at the Family Life Center at 430 and we had to make a little swaparoo. We were supposed to go out to the fill pots, but Carolyn isn't feeling well. And so we're going out to the Delivides instead. So meet at the Family Life Center at 4.30, and uh, then we'll pick up at 7.30 uh, back at the Family Life Center. So I want to encourage everybody, thinking back to the lesson that Bill had last week, it was all about worship. It was all about this time uh, singing out to our God. And he had a really powerful statement about there's a whole lot of people in this room right now but truly, there's only an audience of one, and that's our Father God. And so I want to encourage you be thinking about that this morning as we enter into our, our time of worship. And as we do that, uh, I'll ask that everybody stands, and I'm going to read a scripture, and then I'll pass it off to Davey to get us going. Psalm 100 reads, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Faithful love flowing down from the thorn-covered crown makes me whole, saves my soul.
of a baby blessing Sunday, a baby dedication Sunday is nothing new. Anytime we hear about things we haven't done before, we automatically think, whoa, we know what to do. And thankfully, this isn't something that's new here at West Irwin either. It's a very biblical thing to dedicate children to the Lord. It actually goes back several thousand years when a Jewish woman named Hannah, who was unable to conceive cried out to the Lord for a child. And when he answered her, she responded with this statement, this prayer we find in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. She said, I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. Prayed for that too. <laughs> There's no more appropriate time than on Baby Dedication Sunday for that, I promise you. I prayed for this child, so now I give him to the Lord, for his whole life will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped him there. Even Mary had a moment of dedication with Jesus when Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem and presented him before the Lord. And while they were there at the temple, two older people of faith, Simeon and Anna, both had moments with the baby where they, hailed, where they held him. And spoke blessings over him. God has blessed our families with new life. Not just our family here at church, but our families that are a part of this church. If you've ever had the joy of experiencing a new child come into the world, it's indescribable. It's unexpressible. And I, I want to actually emphasize the purpose of us doing this here this morning. Because parenting is hard. And you're going to have days where you feel like a complete and total failure. And you probably were that day. <laughs> where Whatever could go wrong you did, you responded in anger. They responded in anger. Everybody slammed doors. It was a rough day. And we all live through those. And we come back and we apologize. Because we know that deep down, that relationship is rooted in love. We know it. And we know that that is a huge part of what the church is for. The church is not just for vertical worship where there is a relationship between us and God. In fact, Hebrews tells us that the purpose of us gathering together is for each other. To spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That we can encourage each other, stand beside each other, and walk through life with each other. Be there in the great times and be there in the hard this year we are celebrating the entrance into this world of six new children that are a part of this church. We are grateful for those families. We are grateful for those children. And we want you to get to meet them. 
So you've already seen some of the slides. So let's go back as we read off the names of those slides of those kids. And what we're going to do is call each family group up one by one. So as I just say your family unit, first of all, let me make one thing clear. I know that we have a lot of brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, grandparents, great-grandparents. And if we rattled off everyone that the weathers were related to, we would never leave. So what you see in your handout is just a small snippet of th- that, that Donnie put together of who our families are and who they are. So I'm just going to read off the immediate family members and ask you to come up front. Uh, and Donnie will be waiting here at the front. She has a gift for each one of our families. And then don't leave when you get here because I know you're going to want to, but don't leave. So uh, our first, we're just going in alphabetical order, is Alicia Canfield. Alicia is the, the brand new daughter. Yeah, y'all got to get up. I know. Of <laughs> Mike and Leah. And his sibling, or her siblings are Sebastian, Fed, Anna, and Anna Eliza. So Sebastian, you got to come up here too. Join your family right over here. Alicia was not our newest baby, but close. Born July 26th. Next is Jacoby Davis. Jacoby is the son of Jermaine and Jennifer Davis. Uh, His siblings are Jaden, Jackson, Jace, and Jocelyn. They're making their way up the center aisle right now. Jacoby was born uh, about 11 months ago on November the 6th, 2021. Next we have Walker Grooms. Walker is the son of Carter and Grace Grooms. And everyone says proud sister and proud brother. They don't know. But right now there's a lot of annoyance that there's someone else in the house. So she will be proud someday, I guarantee it. Annie will be proud. Next, and, and Walker was born on February 3rd. Next is Azariah Stevens. Azariah is the, the oldest, and by oldest I just mean first and only, son of John and Savannah Stevens. Uh, Azariah was born on March the 10th. Yeah. Of course. Next we have Wyatt Weathers. Wyatt is the son of Will and Taylor Weathers. And all all the other Weathers. Wyatt was born on September 30th. Why don't you just come over here, Will? Right over here. September 30th, 2021. Absolutely. And last but not least, we have our newest baby. Born September 2nd, so that's this month, Easton Williams. Easton is the son, the first son of Cameron and Kristen Williams, and Jody Lynn is the big sister. And like I said, I know we have a lot of family here today, a lot of extended family that is here for what is inevitably a very special day. And uh, normally we, when, we have a, when we have a baptism, we celebrate and clap. Uh, I would just ask that we give all these families a round of applause for what they're going to do with these kids. <laughs> so in just a moment, we're going to do something that's a little bit out of the norm for us. And so uh, when, I, when we do this, I'm going to ask everyone, include, well, I guess all of y'all are fine, so just the people standing in front of me, to turn and face the screens because we're going to truly dedicate your children to Jesus this morning. Many of you have already prayed these prayers over your children. They have uh, received God's blessing from grandparents and relatives and friends. But it has yet to be done by your church family. And I can tell you from personal experience, one of the greatest blessings you will receive are the ones you don't expect. You expect the ones from your family and your best friends and your closest people in life. But some of the neatest ones are the ones that come out of nowhere. And they will come from the people in this church that you aren't ready for, but that will come in your greatest times of need and the times when you didn't even know you needed it. And so what I want to ask the church to do is stand with us. You're going to see three different things on the screen. The red is something, oh goodness, sorry. The red is something I will read. The yellow is what I'm asking our parents to read. And then the black is what I'm asking the congregation to respond with. We are asking as a church that you help these families. That you not just teach them in Bible class, but that you encourage them. That you walk beside them for the next, I would say 18 years, but let's face it, life doesn't end at 18. 
It only gets more complicated. And so that we continue to stand beside them, that we are promising that. We are promising to stand beside you and not leave you out to dry and to walk through life with you together. And so the black will be the congregation to respond. And the very last statement is in blue. And it's for all of us to read together. And so the very first statement is this. God has entrusted you as parents with a magnificent responsibility. Now y'all read the yellow. And the church? Yeah. God has given you the gift of new life. God does expect you to teach a child through, this, through an example of what a godly life is. child is like a clean slate. It doesn't know any right or any wrong. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. May God bless you, walk beside you, and remind you that you are never alone. I want to invite one of our shepherds, Ken Culpepper, up. He's going to pray a blessing over you as he also leads the church in our shepherd's prayer this morning. So, Ken, the moment's yours. Let's all pray. Holy Father, we want to thank you for this special time we've had this weekend to focus on family and marriage. We thank you for each family that is here, whether they are many in number or only one individual. All of them have a unique place in your kingdom and are important to this church. At this time, we want to thank you for these families that have received these precious babies. We recognize that you created them. You have known who they are since before they were born. We pray that you bless them with good health, physical growth, kind and sincere hearts so that they will grow to be mighty servants for you and your kingdom. Be with their parents as they accept this responsibility. Give them the strength and endurance they will need to teach and train them to follow you. Help us as their church family to be encouraging, supportive, and to show your love to them. Father, we pray that you will bless all of our families. Help us to be more forgiving, less selfish, and love each other more using Jesus as our guide of how to treat each other. Help us as husbands and fathers to recognize the biblical role that we have that you have designed for us to be strong spiritual leaders. Give us the wisdom that we need to correctly prioritize our lives so that we love our families as Christ loved the church. We thank you for the wives and mothers that as they tirelessly strive to love nurture and support their families. We pray that you would help them to put you at the center of their families. And Father, we thank you for all of our children. We ask that they would receive your word, allowing it to into their hearts, causing them to seek you all the days of their lives. And Father, we have many people that are sick and suffering, and there's a long list that I was going to read, but I think at this time, you know who they are, Father. You you know them better than we, you know their needs better than we do. And we just pray that you would comfort them and give them peace and help the doctors to uh, realize the correct diagnosis and treat them as they should and give them all the healing that they need. 
Father, we, uh, we thank you for Jesus, for the life he lived, and for the sacrifice he made. It's in his name we pray. Amen. assure you these children will be loved deeply here at West Orwin Church of Christ and we are, are excited to watch them grow and, and witness uh, their accomplishments as, as they grow. But now we want to focus our attention on he who, who loves us most. The scripture says there is no greater love than a man give his life for his friend. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He is the best friend we could pray for or hope for. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We partaking of the Lord's Supper this morning, and we want to remember the death of our Savior. We'll sing verse 1 of this song as they pass out the emblems. And we're going to ask our brother to come up and lead us in a communion thought. We gather here in Jesus' name. come to take communion as a group and remember Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection. But every time we take it, we're not always in the same place in life. Obviously, we're here celebrating the birth of children this morning, which is fantastic. But I realize some of you are in a different place. Some of you have had deaths in your family this year, and you're in a different thought process. Some of you may have just gotten a new job. Some of you may have got promoted in your job. But there's some people in this audience that possibly lost their job. They're in a different place. Some of you may have gotten married in the past year or so, and you're still celebrating that honeymoon, which is fantastic. But some of you might be in a poor relationship right now and you're needing help and you're not in a great place as you're thinking about that. Some of us are having great victories. But some of us are having some defeats right now. But we still come to this communion in a place that we can appreciate. The Bible tells us in Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And he says in Matthew 26, 28, as he did the Lord's Supper, this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many. Why? For the forgiveness of sins. Acts 10, 43, everyone who believes in Jesus receives what? Forgiveness of sins. So as you take of the bread this morning, think this to yourself. No matter where I am right now in this life, victory or defeat, in Jesus, I've been forgiven. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the bread. Thank you so much for your body that you gave on the cross for us. Help us to have this remembrance, Father. You said this to us. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
And in your blood, we receive forgiveness of sin. We thank you for that. And as we take this, help us to remember that. In Jesus' name, amen. you think about the blood of Jesus and we receive communion, sometimes we forget what our position in Jesus is. I think probably all of us in some form do a little channel surfing with our, with our remote control sometime and we're surfing, we're surfing, we're surfing and maybe we come across Lord of the Rings or Star Wars Maybe we come across a movie that we really like. I know what usually gets me is if I come across the born identity. I just like stop. Whoa, okay, so I'm, I'm captured in, and here's Jason Bourne. He's up in a skyscraper, and the SWAT team is following him. I start getting on the edge of my seat following him. I'm excited about it. I've seen it 15 times. And I forget, okay, I ease back on my seat. Yeah, he's going to get out, right? He's going to get out of the building. He's going to rescue the person. He's going he's gonna to win. I think sometimes we forget what our position is in Jesus. We've won the victory, right? We've won the victory. We should be celebrating that. Ephesians 1 verse 4 tells us this. He chose us. In him, Jesus, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose us before the foundation of the world. He was already thinking about us. And he tells us in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are God's special possession. So when you take the cup this morning, think to yourself, in Jesus, I've been chosen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we get to take the cup this morning, that we remember the blood of Jesus. We thank you for that forgiveness that it brings. And we pray, Father, that as we do that, we have that remembrance, not just today, but on a daily basis, that we've been chosen, that we've been forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. First, before we pass out the collection plate today, it's one of my favorite verses, and I've kind of studied it a little bit, but I'm in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. It's a short reading, short reading, here we go. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So I looked up that word cheerful, and in the Greek, the Greek says that word is translated hilarion, which is a derivative of hilarious, right? You're right there with me on that one. And then I looked up the meaning of that word, 
And there's five different words that can be used for hilarion. Cheerful, merry, joyful, glad, and happy. And I always try to, when I'm putting my money in the plate or in the box at our church, I always try to walk over and actually start laughing. (laughs) I'm getting to give back to God what is already his. And I want to be joyful. I want to be happy. I just want to rejoice as I'm getting to do that. So let's think about that mode as we give back today. Father, thank you so much that we get to give back. It's such a privilege. It's an honor. You've done so much for us. Everything is yours, Father. And we pray that we can be cheerful, merry, joyful, glad, and happy that you put us in this position to get to give back. As we pass the place this morning, help us to remember those things. In Jesus' name, amen. gather soon where angels sing we'll sing the glory of If you would, at this time, pass your attendance cards to the aisle nearest you. Some of our young men will pick those up. If you're a part of the BLAST program, you can go to your classes now, and I ask that everyone else please stand. We'll sing the greatest commands, and then Bill will come and present to us from God's Word.
What a wonderful day to be here as a part of the West Irwin Church of Christ family today. And everyone that's here, everyone that's watching online is a part of our family today. Um, those wonderful words from Scripture that we just sang, we celebrated for our families uh, who have experienced a wonderful gift over the past year or so. And along with them, we have some very special guests that are with us today as a part of this wonderful event. And so welcome. It's wonderful to get to see you, and it's wonderful to get to celebrate one of God's greatest gifts together. And it's wonderful to have Owen and Lauren Mitchell with us. I hope that you get to meet them uh, today. They're here with us. They were a part of our, uh, the resource people for our Reconnect Marriage workshop yesterday. And uh, we had 25 or 6 couples that were a part of that. And what a blessing uh, that was. And they were in our, we connected our young adult class today. And I know that was a wonderful blessing for our young adults. But they have told me already that it was a wonderful blessing for them as well. And, um, and we understand that. We understand that. Today we're having a luncheon together. I did not have anything to do with any of the food. So please come. Please stay. Walk across the street to our Family Life Center. Cane's Chicken it is. And it will be wonderful. And we'll have a great time of uh, uh, blessing and encouraging and fellowship uh, with each other. And before we get into the lesson for today, God's household, I want to share something that's coming up. It's my sermon series that will begin next Sunday. And uh, I've entitled it Bless to Bless, and it will be some shots from the book of Ephesians. I have uh, little flyers that you're welcome to take. They're on the information booth. Not anything fancy, but something that if you'd like to uh, put somewhere in your house or in your Bible or give to one of your neighbors or friends or co-workers, that would be a great thing as well. Pick one of those up and we'll be centering on Ephesians and we'll be starting in chapter 1 with the idea of being chosen. Just as Owen shared as we gathered around the table today celebrating the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which causes us and allows us and enables us to be chosen. That will be exactly where we start, and you'll see the topics for each of the next uh, several weeks there. Uh, and each week we'll focus on a blessing that we have and how we can use that blessing that we have received to bless and to share with others. I have value. I have value. I am forgiven. I belong. I talk to God. I am part of a group. I am loved and respected. I have a calling. And we'll finish the session out with that great passage on the armor of God. I'm still standing with apologies to Elton John. I'm still standing. Um, and so that's coming up. But today, as I thought about what we should share this morning, as we celebrated <clears throat> these wonderful babies as we encouraged one another in our time of worship and, and praise to our God, I wanted us to celebrate the, the families that we have that have been blessed in such a wonderful way and that are a blessing to this church and the call that Eric led us in that <clears throat> I've said many times, these are not just your children, these are our children. We see them as ours, not just yours. And as Eric led us, we promise that we will be there to help. Uh, we will help you, we said over and over again, and we will. When it comes to God's family, God's household, there's another application in Scripture. The church is God's household. The church is God's household. That familiar passage in 1 Timothy 3, the church is the pillar and ground of the church, the familiar translation says. God's household, it says there, and in other places in Scripture. The church is God's household, and God's household is built on love. God's household is built on love. Eric said during that uh, baby blessing time deep down, even when we have squabbles within our own individual families, deep down, we know that our relationship is built on love. And the same is true in our church family. 
We may have squabbles at times, but deep down, we know that our relationship is built on love. It's built on the love that God has for us, first of all, and it's built on the love that we have for Him in response, but it's also built on the love that we have for each other. As you know, Jesus, when cornered, said the two greatest commands, to love God and to love your neighbor. The church is God's household, and God's household is built on love. So I want us to take a moment and read these great words from 1 Corinthians 13 and make a few applications from each of those sections. Yesterday, I was honored to be able to officiate at the wedding of Trevor and Jody Legan. Jody is a friend of Tommy and Kelly Brown, and she has visited our church some uh, in weeks past, and we're hoping that they will come again and be a part of this wonderful We Connected class. But of course, during the wedding ceremony, I read from 1 Corinthians 13, because that's what you do when you do a wedding ceremony, right? You read from 1 Corinthians 13. But we know that 1 Corinthians 13 is not written in the context of a wedding ceremony. It's written in the context of the love that we have for each other as God's household, as God's family, as the church. And so as we read 1 Corinthians 13, remember it is in the middle of a whole book that's talking to a church about how to get along with each other, how to serve with one another, how to not only love God, but to let that love be shown and demonstrated in the way we talk with each other and how we treat each other and the joy that we have in serving God and this community together side by side in love. 1 Corinthians 13, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. One heart, one spirit, one voice to praise you. What's the next statement in that song? We are the body of Christ. So let's talk about that body from 1 Corinthians 13 for a moment. First of all, the value of love in those first few verses. If I do all kinds of incredible, amazing, terrific things, but I don't have love, it means nothing. I gain nothing. And in a sense, I accomplish nothing. No matter how great the deed, no matter how incredible the power, no matter how wonderful people might think we are, if we're doing it without love, It means nothing. That's the value of love. That's how important love is. Yes, let's do all those incredible things. Absolutely. (laughs) But let's do them with love. And let's do them out of love. The value 
of love. Secondly, the actions of love. And I think this is the main thrust of this chapter. Those verses from verses 4 through 8 that speak about the actions of love. It talks about all the good things that love does and the bad things that love doesn't do. <laughs> love is patient. It is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking or selfish. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't hold a grudge. In fact, in Leviticus 19, where we first read that statement, love your neighbor as yourself, that Jesus would take and say is the second great commandment in the original context in Leviticus 19:18 it is exactly saying that love keeps no record of wrongs do not carry a grudge against one of my people but instead love your neighbor as yourself that's how important that is to God. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I remember when uh, we had Jerry and Lynn Jones here uh, a while back, a few years back, for a, a marriage enrichment seminar. And one of the things that they shared over and over again is one of the great calls to husbands and wives is simply this, be kind to each other. Treat each other with kindness. It's a shame that we have to remind husbands and wives to be kind to each other. But it's just as shameful that we have to remind each other. As members of the body of Christ, God's household, to be kind to each other. I read an article recently on the most profound marriage advice I've ever received. Can you think of that? Think of the most profound marriage advice you've ever received. And if you'd like uh, to send that to me, I would really be interested in uh, knowing. Um, but there were, uh, the article was great. I'll mention it in a moment. But a couple of comments that I wanted to share first of all. But one person wrote, the best marriage advice I have received, if you always consider your spouse's needs as more important than your own, you can't lose. I think that's a good statement. Uh, best marriage advice I have ever received, another one wrote, if you are the kind of person that needs to win every fight, then fight for your marriage. <laughs> that's a fight. That's a battle that you ought to take on with that same energy and that same commitment and that same desire, and that is to win that fight. For your marriage. If you ask Joyce what uh, her response to that question would be, or, or what is the, what does every marriage need? What's the secret to how you could get along with and, and somehow be able to stay married to Bill Allen for 45 plus years? They say modern miracles have ceased. I don't think so. But she would say that to laugh together, to laugh with each other. And then she would probably say something about, Bill knows the secret that if he, I'm mad at him, but it's not a real bad mad, that if, if he can get me laughing, then he's off the hook. <laughs> and so I try that. I've also learned that when she's really mad at me, that doesn't work. <laughs> nope, not at all. Not at all. But in this article, the most profound marriage advice I've ever received, this man is asking his father about whether he should ask his his girlfriend is to, to marry him or not. And his father asked him a simple question. He asked, does she help you? Does she help you? And of course, that got the young man thinking and, and applying it another way, as you've already decided in your mind. And that is, do I help her? How can I help her? And, and I think that's the greatest of marriages is that they're knocking each other out, trying to help the other that unselfishness that 1 Corinthians 13 speaks about so profoundly. The actions of love. This is how we are to treat each other as the body of Christ, as God's household. Number three is the maturity of love. This fun passage that talks about what's temporary and when it goes and what, what, how's that applying, Bill? Okay, I want you to figure all of that out and then send me an email and tell me what the answer is. But I think... I think where Paul is going with this on a very simple level 
is he's talking about the maturity of love. If you treat others the way he's talking about in 1 Corinthians 13, that is maturity. That's maturity. And when you think of this statement and this passage, 1 Corinthians 13, in the context of the whole letter of 1 Corinthians 13, what he's telling them here is two words. Grow up. (laughs) Grow up. Stop treating each other like you're a child. Stop letting everything hurt you and threaten you and offend you. As if you were six years old. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. And I think what he's telling the Christians at Corinth and the Christians here at West Irwin is put childish ways behind you. Grow up. Treat each other like you love each other, like you care about each other, like their needs are more important than your own needs. Isn't that what Jesus did when he died for us on that cross that we celebrated as Owen led us? The maturity of love. And then lastly, the greatest of these is love. Don't you love that verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 13? Faith, hope, and love, these three remain. They're the greatest things. But if you're narrowing it down to just one, the greatest of these is love. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And if you need help and encouragement living this life of love, being a loving member of God's household, we're here to help each other. That's what the church is all about. A common love for each other, a common gift to the Savior, a common bond holding us to the Lord, a common strength when we're weary, a common hope for tomorrow, a common joy in the truth of God's Word. If you need to come, come as we stand and sing this great song together. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for blessing us with opportunities to worship you, our brothers, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Please be with everyone on our prayer and care list. Please be with West Irwin. Help us to be a light to those around us and help us share your word. Please be with our youth group this weekend as we go on our float trip. Thanks for the food we are about to partake across the street. Bless it for the nourishment of our bodies. Thank you for Jesus. Please forgive us of our sins. In Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen.